Welcome to Living Truth. Welcome online. We're glad you're with us tonight. Uh, I, have a, I have a difficult topic in the sense that how many of you like discipline? Yeah. Anyway, give, yeah, giving or receiving. There you go. Anyway, so let's pray real quick and then we're going to get started. Lord, we do come before you this evening. We do thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time together, Lord. And we pray as we go through these words, these scripture, Lord, that you would illuminate the things that need to touch each one of us, Lord. Maybe we need to take a personal look at our at the things that we're doing, the things that we're saying, so forth and so on, Lord Jesus, but convict us. Um, comfort us, Lord, as we walk through this time together. And we just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you were here last week, Elijah was here. And he taught out of Hebrews chapter 12, which we're going to continue and go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 12. He did a great job of teaching. If you weren't here or you didn't get to see it uh, yet, please go online and watch it. Very good. Very good series. He talked about uh, warnings about running the race and winning and laying aside every encumbrance and every sin that entangles us. And those are important things to think about as we're running this race. And then the charge was to fix our eyes upon Jesus. And if we do these things, we have a very good chance of winning the race. And it's a lot deeper than that, but that's just a brief overview of some of the things that Elijah talked about. And now we're going to transfer into a little bit different subject. And that, again, is discipline. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read... I'll tell you what, I'm going to back up and just read from 1 to um, 11. I'm going to go ahead and back up just for a minute. That won't be the um, main text, but it's important to keep the flow going. So here we go. Verse 1, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, lay aside, let us also lay aside every conference and the sin that so easily entangles us, so you remember, if you were here or watched, that he was talking about the people that went before us, the people that came before us, the great witnesses that we have, the testimonies of those people before us. And then the charge was to lay aside everything that ensnares us, all the sin and the things that we do, and let us run this race with endurance that is set before us. And the, and the goal, again, is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who with the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it goes on in verse 3, it says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yet you have not Resisted to the point of shedding blood in your own striving against sin, verse 4. Verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Now faint, nor faint when you are reproved by him for those whom in the Lord he loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom father does not discipline? 
but if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as they seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share the holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it. Afterwards, it yields the peace, peaceable fruit of righteousness. There's a lot in here. There's a lot to be looked at, a lot to challenge us, even in our, in our walk as we think about discipline. There's a few things that I was thinking about. Not all of us, including myself, had good fathers, had good role models. So, trying to put this gently, and I don't usually do that, but it is a very sore subject for a lot of people. My dad died when I was 10, and then I kind of just uh, raised myself and all that, so I didn't have a great mentor. And maybe you didn't have a great mentor. Maybe you didn't have a, a father that was around, or maybe you didn't have a father that cared, or maybe your father, like mine, passed away at age 10. I don't know what your particular situation is. But the one thing that I do know now as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have a father that does care. I have a father that does love me regardless of my, I'll use this word, stupidity. Regardless of the things that I do, he still loves me and he still loves you. In fact, it says that he loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross, to pay a price, of course, that we can never pay. And I think you know that to be true as a believer in Jesus Christ. But sometimes I think we need to be reminded. I think sometimes we forget. And we're going to see here when it says that they have forgotten. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to define discipline. I think there's a little misnomer, if you will, between us and God about what discipline really means. When I think of discipline in the flesh, I think about punishment. I think about the shoe that was thrown at me. I think about standing in the corner. I think about the spanking with the paddle, or I think about this, or those things. And, that's, and that certainly is part of, I wouldn't say it's part of the discipline, I'd say it was part of the punishment that's meted out through our earthly fathers or sometimes mothers. But God defines it just a little bit differently. In fact, the word discipline means to teach or to train. And the purpose of God's discipline is not to punish, but to transform you and to transform me for correction. You know that he wants none to go to hell. He wants all to be saved. And the fact of the matter is that if we continue to run in our own ways, then hell is generally the destination. But it's because of his grace and his mercy and because of his discipline, his discipline, his training and his teaching that we can stand here today knowing that our salvation is secure 
and know that the hope lies further, a lot more, a lot further than the four walls of this church. All the way to eternity, you might say. So the goal of the discipline is to be transformed, to be made new, to be made different. And verse 4, it says, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood and striving against sin. Let me ask you this question. How much have you fought? How much have you fought against this thing called sin in your own life? How much of a fight have you put up against the sin? Has any of you shed blood for the sin that you've committed? Have any of you shed blood? Have any of you died for the sin that you have committed? Have any of you suffered so greatly that you even sweat great drops of blood? Now, I want to say that the things that we go through obviously are traumatic. There are traumatic things that we go through. From the death of a loved one to an illness, whatever the case might be in the, in the middle of those spectrums that we have, Whatever those things might be, you have not had such a weight put on you as Christ had put on him for you and for me. In comparison comparison to Christ and his suffering, even to the point of shedding blood, our suffering does not even come close. Now again, I want to make sure that You know, we have anxiety and stress and pain and suffering and all that. And it's not to say that those are not valued or not have a a place. But they're not to the point of what our Savior did for us. In fact, we, I would say we were pretty lucky to be here in the United States of America. I would say that we were pretty lucky to even be here in the city of Corona. We have the freedom and the liberty to gather together in this place for such a time as this to break into God's word, to sing songs of praise and to lift our arms of worship to our King. And yet, just across the pond or across the sea, or maybe even closer than that, people are being killed for the same thing that we're doing right here. We have the freedom and the liberty to come together to worship in spirit and in truth. You want to talk about discipline or persecution or punishment, I would say this, including myself, I don't even know what that means as far as standing and taking the weight of true discipline and true punishment. And we move into verse 5, and here's where it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. You have forgotten. What is that about? Question, have you forgotten the things that we just talked about? You know, we we talk about discipline. Again, our definition versus God's definition. We should welcome, we should welcome the discipline of the Lord because it changes our direction from going to hell to heaven, from being righteous to being, or from being unrighteous to righteous, 
from being wrong with God to being in fellowship with God. That's what discipline does. Have you forgotten the exhortation, the charge? What is exhortation? It's the charge. It's the challenge. In Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, it says, My son, do not regard lightly, the lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. What is reproved? It means to dispute, to judge, chase and argue are correct. Nor faint when you are reproved by him. Verse 12, for whom the son, sorry, uh, for those who the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've asked him into your heart, you should feel some discipline. You should be open to being trained. You should be open to being rebuked and scourged. Not for punishment's sake, but for your sake and the relationship with Jesus. Just in these two verses right here, I want to pull out just a couple of things, and I didn't come up with these, so I'm not going to take credit, but I, I think they're very, very important. Just in these two verses, there are three very important aspects of the theme. Number one, some people are indifferent. What does that mean? Take it or leave it. Some people just come, take up the space, and don't do anything about it. They listen and say, well, this is not for me, and they continue to move on. There's a danger in ignoring and dismissing the fact that God's sovereign hand is at work. Much of our at life's adversities and its joy and pleasures, he may be using to draw us closer to him. I think of Paul. He had the thorn in the flesh, as I was reminded a little while ago. He had the thorn in the flesh and he prayed, God, take this Three times, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he didn't take it. Why? Because he needed to buffer him. He needed to be buffered because he just knew that he needed it. It makes us more dependent on him. There's a second class, if you will, or a second Section. Maybe you're overwhelmed by it. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the discipline that's coming your way. And some of you lose courage when the trouble comes and we get weighed down by the troubles and we're carrying it on our shoulder. We're trying to carry it all by ourselves, and it gets really hard and it gets really heavy and it gets really burdensome. You might even think that the Lord's given up on you. When we go through this severe trouble, we must remember that God who tests us and the Lord who helps us, his grace is always sufficient. Whether he removes it or not, his grace is sufficient. This thing about discipline, if you don't get anything else, 
get the definition that God has. Dis discipline is not necessarily punishment. It can definitely lead to punishment if you, and I, I would call this self-inflicted punishment. Because that's not God's goal is for you to be self-inflicted, but if he directs you to do something and you don't do it, you're really inviting the discipline of the Lord. And number three, it says, we should rejoice in his suffering for the Lord disciplines him who he loves. Trials, tests, adversity, and any other thing should not drive us to despair. If it does drive us to despair, if we can't handle it, we might want to rethink our relationship with God. Jesus told his disciples to expect it. Expect nothing less. He expected his followers to expect to be disciplined along the way. What is discipline? Come on. You're going to catch it or not? What? I already defined it a hundred times. Teaching, training. Discipline is teaching and training so that you'll get it right. These sufferings that we go through, they prove that we belong to Christ. What do you mean by that? If we didn't belong to Christ, who would we belong to? The enemy. Satan. We would be in his camp. Where the wars come from? They come from the enemy. And so if we're walking with the enemy and we're not having a whole lot of stuff come up against us, I'd go back to my BC days. I didn't have all this stuff that I have to go through now because I ran my own program. I ran it the way I wanted to run it. There was no discipline. There was no chastisement. There was no rebuke. There was no, I just did what I wanted to do. Anybody else just do what they wanted to do? And so now we come to Christ and there's guidelines, there's boundaries, there's things that lead us into holiness rather than unholiness. So these are all tough questions. These three are tough. So the question would be, which category do you fall into? Which category do I fall into? You fall in the first one or the second one or hopefully the third one. Maybe we need to take a little closer look at our walk. Maybe we need to make some changes. Let's look at verse 7 again. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8. But if you are without discipline of which you have become partakers, then you are what? Illegitimate children and not sons. There's the, there's the contrast. There's the, the difference. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us as we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject 
to the Father of spirits and live? Shall we not? God is treating you and me as sons and daughters. If you have no experience with discipline, you might want to check yourself. Now that you've been adopted into this family, we have privilege, we have security, but we also have adversity. If when you were walking with the evil one, there wasn't much adversity. All the adversity that you went through was self-induced. All the trouble you caused and the, and the punishment that came with it, it was all your fault. And now when you start walking with Christ, things change. I actually have a, a for real California driver's license. I actually have insurance on my car. Why? Because I'm supposed to. That's the right thing to do. I know that sounds a little silly, but I'm trying to illustrate a point. That before I didn't have a driver's license, it was suspended. So it was suspended, I never had insurance. So I just did what I wanted to do. And so when you come to Christ, things start cleaning up. Sometimes not very fast. Not as fast as we'd like them to clean up. But they do, eventually. His father corrects his children, and what son is there whom the father does not discipline? A father who does not discipline his children will have children who will remain immature, childish, and undeveloped. You got to train them up in the way that they should go, and they will never depart. Our father, now you might say, again, we'll go back to the earthly father. There's been some trouble in that area. But I would say this about that. Is that for those of you who had fathers that were, let's just say, not so good. There's a couple of different ways you can look at it. One is you can look at it is that you know what? They did the best they could with what they had to work with. They, maybe they were raised in that situation and that's all they knew. They've got a family now and they're bringing it in. Yeah, maybe, right? The other way you can look at it is they were just really sick. They were sick in their thoughts, sick in their ways. Maybe they were alcoholics or drug addicts. Maybe they were just mentally out there. But you don't have to continue to live in that. Just because that happened to you in your past doesn't have to be in your future. Now, I'm not saying you're going to forget it. But I'm saying that God is going to give you a way to cope with it where you can move on and you can be a new man in Christ. All things passed away and behold, all things are new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Works the same thing for you, ladies. Maybe your mom wasn't so good. Maybe your parents weren't so good either, but you don't have to be that way either. 
The discipline of the Lord changes us and molds us and shapes us into something better, always. That's always the goal. The goal is always restoration. Trains us up in righteousness so that we can be better people and love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and carry on and raise your kids the same way. Maybe your parents didn't have the luxury. I'm, I don't know. These verses also make it clear that the father equips his children. And we're talking about our heavenly father. Fathers don't just issue orders. Maybe some of them did. But this father, this father that we serve now, our heavenly father, he doesn't just issue orders. He encourages by helping, helping us to learn valuable coping skills and decision-making skills and life issues and how to walk through without turning to drugs and alcohol, without running to abuse or without just any of those things that we used to do in our old lifestyle. God makes us new. He restores us. And it takes discipline. In verse 10 it says, for they, decide, for they disciplined us for a short time. Here it goes. As seemed best for them. I just said that, didn't I? Maybe your parents disciplined you or treated you or raised you the only way they knew how. But he, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. There's the trip. There's the flip. There's the, the new way of living. There's the challenge for us. Each and every one of us, this is a challenge. It's easy to go back and live our old lifestyle. Christ never said it'd be easy. He just said it'd be worth it to follow him. It's worth it to me not to have to look over my back anymore. You know what I'm talking about? It's worth it to me to know that I'm not going to drive home drunk and kill somebody. Possible. It's worth it to know that I'm not going to get a load of fentanyl. If you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. He takes us down a new path. Imperfect human fathers discipline imperfectly. They don't know how, apart from Christ. So even those that sometimes say they are a Christian, are they really, if they're disciplined outside the context of Scripture? They discipline us for a time that seems best for them, a short time has seemed best for them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. But God is perfect and therefore he disciplines perfect and always for the spiritual good of his children. He does not seek to harm or destroy any of us. He always wants the best for us. 
sometimes I just wonder, though, do we want the best for us, for ourselves? Sometimes we become down on ourselves. You know, we become depressed because things don't go our own way or we become we have high anxiety or whatever, ADHD, I don't know, name it. But we take our focus off of God. We take our focus, focus off of Christ and we revert back to our old thoughts, ways, and behaviors. We have to keep Christ at the forefront of our mind. Human discipline or parents' discipline are subject to their own personal views or experience. In verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in the holiness. Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet in those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. The motives for parental discipline are not always commendable. In fact, Westcott, Westcott was an English bishop, a scholar, theologian back in the 1800s. He said this, a human may fail as to the method and his purpose may be selfish, but all God's disciplinary process are directed to our good. I don't think it can be said much clearer than that, but all God's disciplinary processes are directed to our good. We don't always see the good in it. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's very painful. Sometimes we feel like we've taken one step forward and three steps back and it doesn't always feel good, but it is for our benefit. There's an immediate benefit. More than anything else, he longs that we might share in his holiness. That's his desire. Adversity comes, sometimes helps us enter into more fully into our debtedness to God. It's our partnership with Christ and reliance on his spirit. I have to trust him. I have to cry out to him. I have to reach out to him and understand that the discipline that he gives me is for my good. For the moment, all discipline seems to be painful rather than pleasant. How many can say amen? Sometimes it just does not feel good. But what is the outcome? The outcome, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Doesn't always feel good to walk through a storm. And it feels good to get to the other side where it's nice and warm. Hey, that rhymed. Well, I'm a poet. And don't know it. At the time, the, the discipline is painful. But for the believer, we do not think of it just for the present. 
We think of it for the long run. We're not in this race for the short run. We're in this for the long haul. And the race is going to be painful along the way. If you've ran any distance at all or any type of exercise, it becomes very painful. But what happens when you get painful? You press on. You press through. And it's amazing how the pain subsides and you come out the other side a victor. Sometimes it is just very painful. It takes time. Fruit does not appear immediately. And life's adversaries and God's use of them and discipline produce in the end both an inward peace and a moral uprightness. We cannot have suffered in vain. God's word always goes out, accomplishes what's supposed to, and never returns void. Discipline produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. To what? To those who have been trained by it. What's another word for trained? Disciplined. Disciplined. Divine correction provides the church with well-trained Christians. I want to talk about another subject here, just, just for a couple seconds, a couple minutes. Church discipline. If you've gone through the living, Welcome to Living Truth class, you know that we talk about church discipline. And we believe in church discipline. Why? Because the greater good is restoration, reconciliation. God uses the church and the people in the church for his goodness to help people get back on track. Most of you know that I'm a counselor. I've been a counselor for years and years and years. And what's amazing about that is that people come in if they, and I'm not puffing, if they come in and heed the counsel, nine out of 10 times, I'll say, things work out for them a lot faster than if they try to do them on their own. But if they come in and receive counsel, or they come in and hear the word of God, God speaks to them and they go out and they don't do anything about it. They continue to run in their own vein. You're inviting the discipline of the Lord. So we, here at Living Truth, follow the biblical mandate for church discipline. If you have an issue with somebody, it's Matthew 18. You go to them, you talk to them, try to work it out. If that doesn't work, you take somebody with them. If that doesn't work, you come to the church. And if that doesn't work, see ya. And it's not because we don't love them. And it's not because we don't care them. It's because we want them to be in right standing and righteous holiness with our living God. But the goal is always restoration, always, number one. And that's what God wants us to do with his discipline, is make him number one. If we follow biblical mandates along the way, and I'm not saying perfect, because obviously none of us are perfect, but our life is certainly a lot better as we continue to move and the sanctification process move towards holiness.
complete holiness. So, just a couple of closing thoughts. How has discipline affected you? And just, just think about these things. How have you handled it? Have you heeded to the council? You know, sometimes, sometimes God speaks to you through counseling sessions. Sometimes he speaks to you through the message as the message goes out. But God also speaks to you through other people. And if you hear that and it speaks to you, then it must be a reason why it's coming to you. Maybe it's heading off the wrong way, the wrong walk, the wrong decision, the wrong choice that you have to make, maybe an upcoming decision. Please remember that godly discipline is for your benefit. If it's not corrected, it becomes a natural way of doing things or reverting back to our old ways. We have a tendency to minimize, rationalize, and justify our own way to walk through this life. Well, I'm just doing a little bit, so it's okay. I'm doing it and nobody knows, and it's okay. No, it's not. We know that God knows everything. We know that God sees everything. Even the things that we try to do under the cover of darkness, he sees. You can't run far enough and you can't hide deep enough to get away from God. Let's go over to 2 Timothy and we'll get ready to wind it down. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The thing which you have heard in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may be the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules, the guidelines, the mandates, the ordinances, the things which God has set forth for us, in his will. Verse 7. Consider what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Christ, Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. Descendant of David according to my gospel. For which I suffered hardship. Even to the imprisonment as a criminal. 
but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with our eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If, he, if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. So the question goes back. I'm going to go back to the very beginning. When we ask ourselves which category that we fall in. And today's the day I hope that we get a better understanding of who we are, where we are, what we're doing, understanding the consequences of our behavior, the discipline of the Lord, the training, the teaching, the restoration, all these things that God has provided for us. So we have to ask ourselves, are, are we being indifferent? Are we just coming and trying to please somebody else, please a family member? Are we just coming to church because, you know, it's a, nothing else to do on a Wednesday night? So I think I'll go take up a seat. It's air-conditioned. Got snacks, got, you know, got some fruit and coffee and I know I'm being a little ridiculous, but it's true, right? How do I know that somebody is not? Are you overwhelmed? Or maybe a little overwhelmed by all the things that are going on. I think that's probably the case for a lot of people due to all the things that are going on in the world at this particular time, I mean, not only in the world, but in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces. I cannot believe some of the things that I'm hearing on the news or going through what, that may, not May Company, but all those big stores that are going there and they're just taking stuff and leaving. $300,000 worth of merchandise walked out and they couldn't do anything but let them go. I don't know. I'm not going to get on that soapbox. But there definitely is a lot of things going on that are weighing us down. But they don't have to weigh us down. Hopefully we can give it over to the Lord because he cares for us. He loves us. He wants us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So when you are being disciplined by the Lord, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's redirecting our path. Remember, he knows the beginning from the end. and He knows all points in between. Maybe we just need to be steered a little bit differently. Maybe we're starting to compromise or shift or bend the rules a little bit or rationalize you know, it's just a little bit or minimize or whatever's going on in, in our mind because our mind likes to play tricks on us, likes to manipulate us. 
And that's why it's important to be here as well, so we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that our thinking is different, our life is different. So I don't know where you're at. I mean, I know a lot of you personally and individually, I believe that you believe in Jesus, I believe that you're saved. But only you really know, right? You and Jesus. Have you, have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you willing to accept the discipline or are you just suiting up and showing up and making it look good? I would, I would probably not say that that's true on a Wednesday night because nobody really forces a lot of people to come on Wednesday, but it is on Sunday. If I could just get my husband to come or I could just get my wife to come and a lot of times you can talk them into it and they come to shut you up. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's the case on a Wednesday. But we love you guys. Every single one of you. More importantly, God loves you. And so if you have anything that's going on, any wicked way that's going on in you, confess it, get rid of it. Let's get back on track. Accept the discipline of the Lord. Accept the training and the teaching and let's get back on track and ride this train together, right? Lord, we do come before you. And we are so grateful, Lord, for your discipline, for your teaching, your training. And we thank you, Lord, that the punishment was already meted out at the cross. That's why you went. That's why you hung on the cross. That's why you paid the price for each and every one of us or a price that we could never pay. You hung there for us, for each one individually. So Lord, help us to receive your discipline. Help us not to run life on our own terms. When we do, Lord, the discipline goes on and on and on. More importantly, it's separation from you. Help us, Lord, not to be separated from you. Help us to be in right fellowship. Help us to glorify you, Lord. Help us to walk upright. Lord, if there's anybody here that's struggling with that, Lord, I pray that you would, even now as we pray, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give them um, the peace, Lord, that only you can give. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for the things that I do and the things that I say. Forgive my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they repent and get back on track. And we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that's going on here at Living Truth and the other churches in town, Lord. We know that you're moving. Sometimes it's really hard to see it. But God, you haven't given up on us. Help us not to give up on you the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the person, that, the, the God that gave us breath and gave us life. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.